it's really hard to understand people who are sinning when you're not in that league of sinning. Right? Everybody sins somewhat, but you know the t-shirt that, that people have, the saying, right? Don't judge me because I sin differently than you do. Like, there are sins that I'm comfortable with, even if they destroy the base of Migdash. Sinaschinam, comfortable with that. But your sin I'm very, very offended by, because we're all in a box. Or behavior, behaviors that we just don't relate to. But the problem is that if I told you that you have to, for your boss, for your work, you're going to get $100,000, you're going to get a huge amount of money by doing a sale. And you say, well, how am I going to get the sale done? So you know what? This manager or this buyer of this chain, he goes on vacation in the, in the, in the summer months, he goes up to the Catskills, right, to a certain resort. Get a, a room in that resort and you'll bond with him, you'll connect with him, and then afterwards it'll be, oh my gosh, you, this, is what, this is what you do, oh, I sell stuff, and then you'll get the, okay. So let's say that for money, okay, because for money we do stuff very well, right, money makalkeles is ashura, that's the saying, no? So for money, for business, let's say, you have to get an account. Now you're driving up to the, some resort place, and this person, you Mamish, you have no shaykhistan, right? You like American burgers, right? And he's, let's say, Indian, and he likes fried grasshoppers, okay? Nothing in common. Whatever you think is, is funny, your, your idea of comedy, different type of comedy. Whatever you think is ev- total different taste. But you know that I got to bond with this person for a, a few dollars, right? So what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to bond. You're going to all of a sudden have all of these skills. You're going to buy the book, How to Win Friends. Huh? How to Win Friends and Influence People. And all of a sudden, you're going to turn on the charm. And whatever he likes, you're going to like. And the way you, even they, they teach you to, to breathe at the same pace as the other person. And, to la- and they laugh, you laugh. Right? And, and just connect in such a way. That, that even on a normal person doesn't connect so much. You meet someone at a bar, you're not exactly the same, but if, that's because they're not trying so hard. But you're going to try so hard that after meeting you, right, in the hotel lounge or at the golf course, that he's going to feel mamish like, like he met his soulmate. It's going to be like unbelievable. Really? You also love Trump? Love Trump. He's so smart. And you're going to do whatever it takes to, to have commonality, commonality. Why? Because that's, that, that's what works. That's going to bond you, right? So when we're normal, and we look at somebody who's doing something that we feel it's yucky, like tattoos, which we feel it's yucky. First of all, if you're from, you're, you're offended because it's a sin, but it's more offensive than the, than the sin, because one, one Chil Shabbos is much worse than the sin of a tattoo, and somehow we kind of get used to that in a certain way, unfortunately. But it's a yuckiness because we can't relate to it socially. You know, we just can't relate. How do I know that none of you can relate? Because I, I can pretty much bet that none of you here have a tattoo. Right? So you can't relate to it. And now we have a child that we want to bond with and we want to connect with. Why? Because we've learned and we believe that ultimately... In five years from now, in ten years from now, what's going to give you the healthiest child who's going to be Be'ezus Hashem alive, off drugs, off 
even medications, not suicidal, without, you know, healthy, stable, and hopefully one day from. That the, it's the same highway that goes to the same place. And it's all, you have to be alive in order to be from. Although sometimes during Shemarnesu, if you look around, you're not sure if everyone has a pulse, right? But we try. And you have to be alive, and you have to be stable, and you have to be happy. And then the same way that you can make them, you can stabilize them with your love and connection and acceptance, so too, that happens to be the same medicine. So whether you're doing it for emotional health, or you're doing it for psychiatric help, or you're doing it for drugs and addiction help, or you're doing it for spiritual help, either way, the closer that you are to somebody, the nafshik shur benafshay that you have has been proven to help them more than anything else. Rabbi say the cavalry is not coming. Everybody thinks like I would think, that if a kid gets sick, okay, which therapist am I going to? Which psychiatrist? You all tried that. It doesn't mean that, that the experts and the professionals can't help anybody. They could help millions of people. They might have a 99% success rate, but we're getting the 1% or whatever percent that didn't work. And now you realize, oh my gosh, my kid's not going to go to therapy. They're not going to any camp. They're not going to Camp Extreme or, or summer uh, whatever program or yeshiva this. or. And now what? Now I got a kid at home who's dysfunctional, right, or doing drugs and selling drugs, all of it. Where's the cavalry? And what we've proven is that you have the ability of helping your child heal even more than any other rehab or place in the world that you can send them to. We have a much higher success rate than any boot camp, any wilderness program, any rehab. Most of our kids get off drugs without any rehab, much higher than, than sending them to rehab. Heroin, except for heroin, which is, and we're, we're beating the odds on heroin also, but that's a separate parsha because the world also doesn't know how to, what to do with heroin, and neither do I. It didn't exist when I had Home Sweet Home, and I, I just don't know the parsha. It's very sad, very painful, very dangerous. But all the potheads, so to speak, you look at them consistently, a few years later, they get clean on their own, no rehab. And we have parents to prove it and give testimony. It's amazing, people send their kids to rehab for pot, and with this addiction and that addiction, anything besides heroin, even up to cocaine, we have, I don't want to say 100% success rate, so let's just say 80. We only have to beat 10 or 20 or 30 or 40, I mean, it's not, not hard to beat that. So we've uncovered something here, that the medicine is the nafshik shur benafshay. Now, you look at it still as a normal person looking at someone who's getting a tattoo that you don't understand and you don't like. You're not going to connect. I'll give you an example to bring out the point that I'm trying to say. One of the first TP moms was here and did something that most newbies laugh at. Most The world would think we're nuts. New people would laugh at. It's not funny. It's a very serious pu'ula treatment method that she did. Her son, after going off the derech, Nabuch, and becoming a pothead, and walking around dressed in, for some reason, very flowing shirts, and I don't know what it was, and chains and piercings and all of that. Her son put on an earring. And she went over to him and she said, you know what I want to buy for you? A Shabbos earring. People think we're nuts. Newbies think it's funny. Uh, really? What? Now hang on. Again, his mindset is, I like, I re- I'm a guy who wears an earring. Now, do you know any humans that wear earrings? Yeah. You know what they're called? Women. Is it funny to tell your wife, I want to get you Shabbos earrings? They say, wow, thank you so much. So 
We're looking at it like, I'm normal, you're nuts. Oh, I'll make a joke. Oh, I'll get you a Shabbos earring. And, and he said, okay. And everybody said, really? He said, okay. No, no, no. You have to take your brain off. You have to put on his brain that he, right now, is relating that I wear an earring. That's how he feels, because he's wearing it. So now, think about somebody who wears an earring, appreciates when you get them a Shabbos earring. So why would you think that he would not appreciate it? So the newbies, new people thinking that, no, he's going to think I'm making fun of him. No, he won't. Not if you don't think you're making fun of him. If you're doing it to make fun of him, hey, of course, he's going to think you're making fun of him. But if you really understand that I'm going to show you that I accept you, right, and I'm going to heal you with my acceptance, then what makes you feel accepted is really treating you as though you're, now there's a new, that we have women who wear earrings, men who don't wear earrings, and now we have a kind of person who, Lagabe earrings thinks like that group, right? If you really think into it, then you'll comment, you'll, you'll go to, to buy it with him. You're not going to be the normal person feeling uncomfortable because, of course, you're still normal and you do feel uncomfortable, but you have to really understand, this is what my child needs right now. And we're not doing it because we're here to give our child whatever they want. We're here to do that because it's pikuach nefesh. Kids are mamish halachically pikuach nefesh. They're ill. They're dysfunctional. They're in danger. And we found a way. And instead of sending them to boot camp in Utah for $120,000 and let them eat trafe three times a day, we found a way to make them feel so attached to us that on their own, they're going to stop as a Hashem doing drugs. Right? This is the method. So therefore, we take it seriously. And once you get into that mindset, what you're doing is not being done as a joke. It's being done as a treatment method. Now, you said that your daughter has, unfortunately, how many tattoos? Everywhere. Every inch. 18 piercings. She has a sleeve. Right, okay. So I don't know how to rate that. But she's covered in tattoos. Now, you cannot relate to somebody who's in so much pain that tattoos their whole body. You can't relate to them. And therefore, there's always going to be that disconnect. She's always going to feel like, I don't relate to these people. Because you understand, you know, what hat to buy, and what Bekesha to buy, and what shoes to buy, what shorts to buy, what bathing suit. You understand a lot of stuff. You're even willing to expand that, but you don't understand tattoos. What we're trying to do to save her life is to make her feel more understood by us than their friends on the street that are dysfunctional and dangerous, so that way she has a safe haven. Because you're not just two people. You represent her home. And if you can't feel comfortable at home, that these people don't look down at me, and these people understand me, right? If you don't feel that, then you're homeless. Most of the time that they get tattoos is because of their pain. Sometimes you could see it, and sometimes you can't. But when it's Gamze Yavar, I find it hard to believe that she's going to get punished for that. I mean, I'm not on the Bezna Shamala, and I'm not planning on going there anytime soon. But if I am, I would vote... I think we give it a pass. Someone who's in so much emotional pain that they want to remember, Gamze Yavar, this too shall pass. Okay? I, I don't think we can look at it as... You had great, you had Rosenblum holding your hands and, and teaching you what to do. Um, and, okay. So my point is that when you really go down to that person and see the world from their perspective, then you can say something like, in other words, Lishi Tascha, According to you, that you have tattoos all over, but, but you missed over here, you know, why don't you get over here? You can say that, 
Because then she'll really believe, wow, you really understand me. You understand I have a need to tattoo my whole body. And why would you not say that? Because of a few misunderstandings. One reason not to say that is because you're going to say, you know, maybe she'll forget about it. Maybe she'll forget. Like, okay, push it off. Maybe it'll be next week. Okay. The other reason is because if you're going to say it, it's going to cause her to do it. Meanwhile, she has four million other tattoos that you didn't say anything about, and she did it anyway. And we already know that it doesn't work like that. Right? She's not going to say... Right? She's not going to say, I really wasn't planning on getting this tattooed anymore because I don't have any pain. I really... I don't want to let my mom down. You know, my mom mentioned to me that maybe I should get a tattoo. I think she'll feel really bad. Okay? Plus, what we've already proven with so many parents, so many times, is that the, that when we push them to do things that we would not normally do, they feel that acceptance and we gain in other areas like drugs and suicidal. We gain in those areas. It's their medicine because they just feel inside. These people really get me. They put aside their, their religious beliefs, but they also put aside their... Their feelings, because they don't get tattoos, but they really, really get me. They get me. And therefore, you can make a recommendation to do something that we would never want them to do. But here's the kicker. We've also proven, almost always, that the reverse psychology, if anything, it causes them to not even do it. So we don't even lose the actual thing. So there's very, very little downside. And I really could say very firmly, in my, based on experience, this is not armchair philosophy. This is experience that most of the time, the things that we push them to do that are bad, they don't end up doing because of the reactants in their brain and the reverse psychology usually works. But if they do it, I can guarantee you, as much as humanly possible, they were going to do that. They were going to do it. But now they did it with your approval and support and they don't feel the yuckiness and I let you down and nobody understands me. There's another thing you have to remember. Not only are you the home... So if you look down at me, and by the way, to make somebody feel emotionally homeless, you don't have to do that much, especially with super sensitive, smart kids. All you have to do is what? Anybody know? Just, just what's it called, a wince? We just, is that what it's called? You just have, what? A wince. You just have to just, whoa, like, or any remark, anything, yeah, even... So you got to get, you, and then they feel, I'm getting, I'm getting the F out of here. Besides representing the house, okay, you also represent their parents, because you are their parents, which means if my mommy doesn't like me, the me that I am right now and all my messed upness, I don't have a mommy. I have a physical mommy, but I don't have emotionally, I lost my mommy. And and my daddy doesn't look at me in the eye, doesn't appreciate me, doesn't like me. I'm a letdown. Al Hanar That's the song he sings. So I lost my tati. So the same way that you understand that there is a major trauma. I just spoke today to somebody, probably 40 years old. His father died two weeks ago. He's hurting. I spoke to someone last week. The Gareb is Gaba in Eretz he lost his father last week. Yonison must be 60 years old, 65 years old. And he texted me, Abba ze Abba, the kashe. A father is a father and it's hard. And we cry and we mourn. And in some way, these kids who are floating around, they don't have an Abba. Yeah, the father's there, but you know what? Some of, sometimes, not because of the father's fault, because they got bad advice, 
it, it would be better if the father would be dead. Because the kid wouldn't feel that my father's alive, but doesn't look at me. My father's alive, you can't even say Kaddish. He's not that he's dead. I, I love my father and he's in Shemayim. Terrible, terrible pain. My father hates my guts and threw me out of the house and wishes I was dead. You lost your father. There's no Kaddish to say. You feel every day like he's, he's alive and he doesn't call me and he doesn't ask me, doesn't want me. Now, it's not the parents' fault, and I've proven that. Because once you come here, everybody changes. Right? Yeah. Parents are good people. Parents are people too. But if you don't have the training, look what could happen. That the kid feels so... You're, you're, you're damaging your child in such a deep way that I don't have a father, I don't have a mother, and I don't have a house. No wonder they need drugs. These kids are hypersensitive. Most of them are damaged and their part of their brain is immature and young at the age of the trauma. And they, they need us more than other kids. And you see that. Once you break through the wall, you see mush, you see hugs, you see love. You mamish see how much they needed you. How much they needed you all those times. And they lost you because of bad advice that was given to you that created this wall and you let them float away, which doesn't save the issue today and it doesn't help them for down the road either what keeps them alive because at the end of the day sometimes they feel suicidal they see a picture of mommy and tati they say I can't do it to them I can't do it to them what? that's what your daughter says there you have it that's why we do what we do now when you hear it from your child it gives you the motivation to drive three and a half hours in the middle of the night like you did last night just to deliver something and sleep for two hours sure but when you don't hear it so what? Look at them. They're devastated. They don't need to say it. We don't need them. Look at them. Look at the pain. Look at their symptoms. Put it together. Understand that they're tzibrachin. Understand that this PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. They have multiple symptoms of that. Something happened to them. And, and love them. And when you love them, you give them a home, you give them a mommy and a tati. And when you get down, this is what I was trying to tell you, once you really get down and understand the, the world through their broken, twisted lenses, then you'll make a recommendation so they understand, wow, I really... We've had mothers that told the daughter, you know, I really think last year, I remember in the summer, you dyed your hair pink, right? Now it's regular. I think we should go with light blue this time. Come, let's go, let's make an appointment. And, and people will say, what are you, encouraging? They don't get the whole passion. They don't understand what we're trying to do here. They just, they miss the whole boat. We have to remind ourselves, first of all, they're not going to do it because you said so. If anything, they won't do it anyway. But by saying so, by seeing what they would want to do, and it's Nebuch that that's what they would want to do. Nebuch that she's thinking about a tattoo. Nebuch that they're thinking about all these terrible things. But either you're going to be in her brain as someone who really gets her, or you're going to be someone she has to contend with. Then on top of all my pain, how am I going to break it to Tati? How am I going to break it to Mommy? So you come home and I cover it up and I lie. Especially we know that these things are because of pain. You have to look at a tattoo like a scar. This is a scar from what happened to your child. And when, if this was a real scar that they got stabbed, you would go over and you would hold it and you would kiss it. And that's what you do when you see the tattoo, especially if it's the, all the skeletons and the pain and the death, or the gamze yavar. You know it's because of pain. You hug them, you kiss them. You kiss the tattoo. This is because of their pain. This is today pain. 20 years ago, there used to be Rahman al 
It was horrible. Remember the bombings in Israel? And people got lost limbs and they were scarred and their face was scarred. It was hard to look at, but who looks at the scar? You see your child. And when you see the scar, you have more Rachmanus. And the Rachmanus is Mavatel the sinner, says in Tanya Paraklam and Beis. Right? You have to see past that and say, somebody hurt my kids so bad that it caused them to do this. So now, not only am I not angry at them for doing this, I'm going to supply the this and kiss the this. I'm going to support the this so they feel supported. Now here's the chap. A couple of years goes by, and look at the, the difference between kids whose parents support them and the other parents who say, I'm not going to support bad. What are you, crazy? That doesn't make any sense. And the end of the day is that our kids feel supported. Because the only way that our kids and our matzah could feel supported is if we support them. And the people who are, are being normal and saying, when you do something good, I'll support you. Well, I should support this, Mishigas. What happens is the kid goes through years feeling not supported. That's horrible. It's a trauma for them. They can't do it. So in five years from now, in ten years from now, we have a higher chance of success in every way if the child feels supported. And everybody agrees with that. But they drop the ball. They say, well, you can only support good. Yeah? Well, guess what? Kids don't feel supported when you only support them when they're good. Especially when our kids, a lot of them are dysfunctional. They are good. There's a lot to compliment. But the support that proves that you really get me is when you're there buying me the miniskirt, taking me to the whatever, doing all the stuff. And like we always say, you ask your Rav. We never had one Rav say no because it's Pikuach Nefesh, or whatever situation, the Rav will pass again. If he says no, it's no. We only have to do as much as the Torah lets us do. There's plenty of leeway. A lot of Rabbanim who understand, all of you, there's like a hundred Rabbanim, they have no issue. you got to go ahead and save your kid. And that's what we're doing. That's why you're traveling to, where were you, Cancun? Puerto Rico. And that's why we're going places. We're not interested in going places, but we do it. Because it works. Because the kid feels, you feel that needle getting deeper, that nafshik shura b'nafshik getting deeper. So think about it like this. What's the opposite side of the hammer? The other side, those, those gayisha, you know what the hammer is? Gayim use it, you know? Like the handyman that you call? What? A claw. Right. Imagine you take a claw and you go into the basement of an apartment building that has 800 apartments and you go into the electric room, right? And you start clawing away at these circuits, right? The circuit breakers. And look at the apartment building. Things are popping. Things are going off. Wires are touching. Fires are starting to... Right? That's what childhood trauma does to our kids. It claws away at inside of them and there's pieces inside of them that are just disconnected. Bleeding. There's pieces that are intertwined wrong and connected to something else and they're messed up in the head in all kinds of ways. In all kinds of ways. And now your job is to do surgery. And every time you do a compliment and a smile and a surprise and a hug, it's one more stitch. One more stitch. You took another stitch. They need thousands of stitches for the internal bleeding that's been going on inside of them for years. You only found out about it when they start, it stretches to such a point they start acting out. And in the beginning of the act out, you try to keep them together. Right? And, and holding them so tight and then they bust out. That's years after the trauma. Years. Meanwhile, inside of them, they've been having these feelings of numbness, feelings of, I don't really belong, deep feelings of shame, feelings of, I don't connect to this. Like, who really cares about this? Everyone's learning and they're fine with it. And this kid who has all this going on inside is thinking, 
I don't care who Avram did the tent and how many doors there were, because when you're overwhelmed with daigus in your mind, who cares about some ancient story and rituals and you've got to take three steps back and three steps up and everything becomes, you know, you feel like, why, do, why does God need this? You start challenging in your mind because when you can't walk, you know, if you're not healthy and you go to the, same thing, imagine you're not feeling well, you're not healthy and you don't even know why. You're coming down with mono, let's say, and you go to the gym, right, and, and you have a trainer, Every, you're going to hate everything about him because everything makes you feel bad instead of feeling good. And you're going to say, I don't understand. I have to first do this and do that and this and that. It's hacking me a China. It's crazy. You're going you're to hate the gym. Why? Because you're not healthy. When you're not healthy as a kid, because all this, they don't sleep well at night, so they wake up groggy, so they're not able to concentrate, and they're, they're all kinds of ADD, ADHD, a lot of this stuff comes from trauma. So life is just terrible for them. We only notice it years and years and years later. Now, now you have to go deep into them. Every hug, every surprise, every wow that you do, it's one more stitch, one more stitch, and one more stitch. And that's your tafkid. Because if you can do hundreds and hundreds of stitches over the next year, two, three, four, you can end up with a much healthier person. And look what people do, not TP. They give up their only tafkid that can help the kid over stupidity, over wars that they don't win anyway. Right? I always tell you, if you want to do the wrong thing and you're going to be successful, I give you my blessing. But you don't win the, the, the battle, and you, you don't win the war, you got nothing from it. Right? Parents are fighting with their kids. You better not leave, you better not go out, you better come home. Okay, did it work? You fought, but did you get control? No. So you gave up the only mission that you had, which is to be so close that you can be close to that patient and do CPR, and you gave that up in order to have a fight about something you lost anyway. So you didn't get the now and you didn't get the later. You go through that for weeks and months, kid feels, nobody understands me, nobody likes me, I have no reason to live. I have no reason to fight. I have no reason to get up in the morning. I have no future. I can't be what they want. I tried for 12 years. I met a boy who until 16 years old, he was a chassid, chassidish boy from Williamsburg. And when I met him at 22 years old, he looked like a Puerto Rican, shaved head, tank top with a huge New York Yankees tattoo. And what's amazing is he really looked like a regular Puerto Rican. Like, I don't know how that happens. How do you go from Williamsburg? How did his, his body, his... his he, I don't know. It just looked like a, like a... And I asked him what happened. And he told me. He said, Christmas night, I was watching TV with a friend of mine. After years of struggling, I was fully Hasidish. And they started to sing and talk. God loves you and everything... And it spoke to me. Sashmad. He was wearing a Christian uh, a cross, and he has a Christian girlfriend. And that's it. He said they had 16 years to make me feel good. Didn't work. Horrible, right? He said, I gave them my time. So these kids also, they feel like, I tried it your way. I grew up in your house. I went to your meisters, right? I tried it. And it didn't work for me. I feel like I want to die. So let me try anything. I'll try blue hair, purple hair, green hair, no hair, I'll try a mohawk, I'll try a motorcycle, I'll try drugs, I'll try any, why not? Because I have no idea how to be happy and content in this world, and all of your ideas, very nice, but works for you, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, doesn't work for me. So I have no game plan. They feel totally separated. And you know what? It's horrible. It's horrible to feel that way. 
to feel I'm different than my family, I'm different than my community, didn't work for me, of all these problems in my head that I don't even know how to express and I don't even know where they came from. These kids would open up to me and say, why am I so crazy? And they don't even know themselves because of what happened at five or six or seven years old that caused all of this stuff, that the trauma that they went through. They don't know themselves. And they try medication, it doesn't work. And they try, all this stuff doesn't work because nothing is addressing the problem that they really have, which is the internal bleeding that they have from child to trauma. So what your job is is so important. And to let go of that tafkid and be on the outs where you can accomplish nothing for no reason, absolutely not. That's why the most important reaction that you have for any situation is, I'm not dropping the patient. What do I need to do to make this kid feel how much I love them? We're not here to worry about them being spoiled. We're not here to worry about them, about anything. We're here to show them you are number one to me. I will give you everything, everything I have. And it sounds very extreme. But the Archaim HaKadosh says that Yitzchak wanted to give Esav all the brachas. Who gives one kid? He had two kids, Yaakov and Esav. A good kid and Esav. Why would you give Esav all the brachas? You can give 50%, 80%. Why would you give 100% of the brachas to Esav? Right? Says the Archaim HaKadosh. Yitzchak was racking his brain. And he says, what am I going to do? Yaakov is going to be fine, but what am I going to do about Esav? If Esav is going to be able to be from, if I can get him back, Klai Yisrael would be double. It would be more than double, because they keep killing us. There would be a hundred times Klai Yisrael. Right? There will be six Satmar Rebbes and 32 Vishnitzer Rebbes and 82 Spinker Rebbes. It would be unbelievable. BMG would have 87,000 people learning in there. It would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what am I going to do about him? So what do you do when you want to save your kid's life? Imagine that somebody has $100 million and he has 10 kids. And one kid, Nebuch, is very sick and has cancer. And they say, listen, there's a 1% chance that maybe... We could save his life. Okay, what's it going to cost? A hundred million dollars. So you don't, what do you do? Nobody would even think about it. You give a hundred million dollars to save your kid. You tell the other kids, I'm so sorry, but I'm not letting my kid die. Over here, we're talking about spiritual death of Darius and Darius and Darius. And Yitzchak couldn't figure out any way to save Esav besides one way. Maybe if I show him that I love him, even though he's Esav of Russia, right? If I show him how much I love him, there's a chance that maybe he'll do tshuva. So how am I going to show him how much I love him? Money. I'm going to give him my Yerusha. And if I give him my Yerusha, he'll realize how much I loved him. And maybe that's the... Because nothing else is going to work. That's the only way that I have a chance of saving Esau of Russia. That's what Yitzchak was thinking. He knew, says the Arachayim HaKadosh, he knew that Esau is bad news. And he's going to lose all the diaries. And he said, i got to try anything. Right? So what am I going to do? So everybody said, no, you're not going to give him money. You, you might use it for drugs. But then they came to Avi Fishoff. And Avi said, you're crazy, Yitzchak. Give him everything. And everybody said, you're crazy. It's nicht Eisgehalten. Okay? So he went ahead and he gave Esau all of his money. Maybe he's going to realize my tati loves me. So you can't take a chance and give three quarters of the money. Maybe he needed more medicine. It's medicine. And that's why he gave him all the brachas, that he should know, my father loves me more than anything in the world. He was re- willing to give him everything. But what happened in the end? Yaakov stole the brachas, says that Rechaim HaKadosh will never know what would have happened. 
maybe it would have worked. Maybe after Yitzchak died, Esav would have opened up the Yerusha, and he would have seen all these brachas, and he would have said, wow, Yaakov didn't get any brachas. I got every last penny. Everything, all the brachas. My father loved me so much. Maybe I should go say Kaddish and Shul, right? And then he'll go, of course, to Chabad, because they're everywhere. Probably he'll be a Chabad. And they'll say, come, come, Esav, Esav, come. And everyone's going to say, Chabad, what are you crazy? Give Esav a, an Aliyah, right? The Rebbe would do it. Come, give you an Aliyah. Come, you know, you should come, you should, we're going to learn Mishnayis for you. Don't worry how you dressed Esav. You can come in with your bow and arrow. Don't worry about the blood on your feet. It's fine. Come on in. And you know what? We're going to say Mishnayis every day for you. Come again tomorrow. A bissel bromfin, a little vodka, vodka, everything will be fine. Leave it to Chabad. He would have been from. That was Yitzchak's plan, according to the Rechaim Kaddish. But it didn't work. Why didn't it work? Because Yaakov stole the brachas. But listen to what the stipler said. He said, did it, did it work? I don't know. Because until he gave him all the brachas, he tried what? Kirov, extreme acceptance. Esav was home. He didn't send them away. Esav used to do Avoid Zara with his shikses in the house. And the father didn't say no smoking in the house because he didn't want him to go to the park at night and hook up with the other drug addicts, the other Avoid Zara guys. So he was in the house. One of the reasons it says that Yitzchak became blind from the smoke of the Avodah Zarah. Why didn't you tell him no smoking in the house? Kept him home. But what was the result of keeping him at home? All of his friends and his family made, made fun of him. Crazy, twisted parenting. You're crazy, Yitzchak. But the result of keeping Esav, even though he never got anywhere with Esav, was Esav's kid. Esav's kid. Esav's kid, Eliphaz, ended up being brought up on his lap. Now Eliphaz grew up a Cheikoi shell. Yitzchak. Eliphaz was a no-good Nick. He raped his father's wives, the father of Amalek. He was a murderer. Everybody told Yitzchak, your plan, not only it didn't work with Esav, but your stupid TP plan, it didn't even work with Eliphaz. Says the stipler, but hang on. Esav sends Eliphaz, of all people, to go kill Yaakov. Ulefi shegadal Eliphaz, shel Yitzchak moshach yadai. But because he grew up on Zaydi Yitzchak's lap, he couldn't kill him. Instead, Yaakov gave him all the money. He says, the stipler, you see, it did work. He saved Yaakov. The whole Klal Yisrael. He saved his sons, the good son's life, and all of Klal Yisrael because he tolerated Esav with the Shikses, with Avadizar, in the house. And therefore he got access to Eliphaz, and he was enough able to be Mashpia on Eliphaz, at least he'll be a Ganef and Nishkan Reitzeach. And said the stipler, because there was a story about a kid who was stealing in the dormitory in Yeshiva, and they said, should we throw him out of Yeshiva? And he said, it's Kedai to keep him in the Yeshiva as a Oisvaxen, a Ganef and Nishkan Reitzeach. At least he'll grow up, he'll be a Ganef, but at least he won't be a murderer. Because at least we have Ashpa on him if he's in Yeshiva. The stipler. It was said over by Rabyanka Galinsky, Okay, so that's what you're doing. We hope, hopefully, it's going to be we're going to work even before that, right? But you need to make him feel that in this home, in this relationship, I get you, and if I get you, I can't look down at you every time you do something that you like and I don't approve of because it's not my taste, it's not my style. See, even people who don't do TP who think they're being nice, yeah, but I'm allowed to be honest. I don't like pink hair. In fact, I don't like anything they say or do for 20 years. Was supposed to lie, but for money you would connect. 
for money. You would get into that person and say, Oh, dear, you like the naked order? Very good. Oh, snake. Oh, I love eating snake. Everything would work for Abyssal Gelt because you know that bonding with people causes them to be open to hashpa, and that's what the Chazanish wanted, hashpa. If you have a Shaila, you ask your rabbi. But the concept is, you go onto that level, you see the world through their eyes, and you like the things that they like for the same reason that they like it. They're dysfunctional and they like it, but now you see, oh, wow, you have an earring? What about a Shabbos earring? Not for a girl, for a boy. But the boy then felt, felt really amazing. This is Avi Fischoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.